بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله وسلم وبارك على خاتم النبيين وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين Dear brothers, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. <coughs> Continuing what we have started last week to talk about the fourth, the fourth chapter of this Kitab al-Tawheed, which is talking about the fear of shirk. And we said that the first <coughs> evidence was the ayah that mentioning Ibrahim alayhi salam asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save him and to save his children from <clears throat> to save him and to save his children from shirk from worshipping idols and we said that if this is Ibrahim alayhi salam saying this if Ibrahim alayhi salam was afraid of that while he is one of the strong will messengers Five strong will messengers are Nuh wa Ibrahim wa Musa wa Isa wa Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the best one of them is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. <coughs> Tonight we have two more hadith to talk about in this chapter. The first hadith which is mentioned by brother Intiyad Jazawallah Khairan in the introduction he made is the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal من مات وهو يدعو من دون الله ندا دخل النار رواه البخاري whoever dies while he is calling someone with Allah or without Allah he dies with that he will enter hellfire here comes some points we have to mention about this hadith first of all who is Abdullah bin Mas'ud Abdullah bin Mas'ud is one of the best scholars of Sahaba. Him and Ibn Abbas plus Zayd ibn Thabit, these three Sahaba were the best among Sahaba on the case of Quran. In fact, each one of them has his own school of thought in the case of Quran. Zayd ibn Thabit was in Medina. Ibn Abbas was in Mecca and Abdullah bin Mas'ud was in Al-Iraq. Each one of them had his own school of thoughts, teaching Quran and the knowledge of Quran. Abdullah bin Mas'ud also, he said that he knew Quran more than anything else. That every ayah, he knew when it was descended and where. Every ayah of Quran, Abdullah bin Mas'ud, he knew where was it was descended to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and when the day and time and everything is it in, at night or in the, uh, during the day subhanallah so this man radiyallahu anhu was one of the best of sahaba who knew about Quran so <clears throat> he narrated this hadith which is mentioned by al-Bukhari rahimahullah and you know al-Bukhari sahih al-Bukhari is the best book after Quran because he gathered all correct hadith, or I mean, no, he, he, he gathered hadith which is all correct, not all correct hadith. But there's a big difference in here actually. He corrected hadith which is all correct, but that's not all the correct hadith. Yani there are some other hadith which is correct, which is not in Sahih al Bukhari. But every hadith in Sahih al Bukhari is correct. 
No doubt, inshallah, because all of the ummah of Muhammad took this book as the as guarantee as all correct. Whoever tried to play around with this book and with Sahih al-Bukhari also, he is really not in the way. So we know, alhamdulillah, that al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, he did his best to gather the correct hadith that he could find for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Let's look at this hadith. This hadith, is still, يعني Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is telling us that whoever dies, and we start to hear, it means that if he dies without repenting, yet if there is someone who has been a mushrik or a polygamist during all of his life, and before he dies he repents to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he becomes a monophist, this hadith is not applied for him. This is applied for the people who stay or live with shirk until they die. They die with shirk, polytheism. Then they are applied or they are under this hadith. So they go to Jahannam, na'udhu billah. In the, in the um, translation of this hadith on the book you have, they said while ascribing. I looked for this word actually, I'm not good in English by the way, but I tried to find out what is the problem with this, is this correct word for here? I don't know, but I feel that this is not the correct word. <clears throat> the correct word should be used in here, the correct word, correct word should be used in here is calling or asking. Because Muhammad Hassan said, Yad'u. Yad'u is calling. Ascribing, I cannot really say because I want to make some different meaning of it. But however, it's understood to us, to us that he means calling someone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Calling someone with Allah or instead of Allah is not the same actually. We have three conditions for any call if it is available then it is okay to call human beings. It's under the word cat. C-A-T. P as in Paris. Cat means C for capable, A for alive, P for present. <clears throat> yeah, and if someone is having these three conditions, then you can ask him for help. If not, you cannot ask. So calling in here, which is um, a wide word, should be only for Allah in the cases that the human beings cannot do. So if we call Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Jannah, can we call others for Jannah? No. If we are calling for forgiveness from Allah, can we call somebody to forgive our sins? No. If we are calling for risk, for children, for cureness, this is only from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if I am asking for help to carry something heavy, can I call human beings? Yes. If these three conditions are available. The person is capable. He is not a very weak person or he is not a handicapped or so on. If I ask him to come and carry these heavy things with me, that's fine, no problem. It's available. It's allowed in Islam. Also, he must be alive. Because to call a dead person 
is not allowed for help. Yani just imagine if someone comes to a great of a dead person and say, please help me to cut this table. Unless he believes that he has something, something different or yani, superpower or something, otherwise he cannot call a dead person for help. So, CA, then P, present. I cannot call a capable and alive person if he is not present with me in the same place. Yani, if I try, now I need to carry this table, it's very heavy for me. I will think of my son who is at home now, I say, oh my son, come and help me. No, this is not allowed. But he's alive, yes. He's capable, yes. But he's not present. Yes, I may call him by telephone, fine, that's somewhere to call him. But just to sit down here and say, oh my son, come and help me. Where is he? So this has to be, shaitan will blame this, these things. So we have to be careful. So calling Allah should be only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for things that only Allah can do. Like risk and, and cures and so on. Calling the others could be allowed if they have these three conditions, which we call cap, capable, alive, and present. He said here in this hadith, enters the hellfire. Is it permanent or is it temporary? Okay, back to what we have said before. That people in Judgment Day are three types, three groups. Kafirin, including the hypocrites and the polytheists and the others, every kafir will go to Jahannam directly. Second type or group are the mu'mineen, the believers, who have no great sins and their good deeds are heavier than their bad deeds, they go directly to Jannah. That's clear. The third group. Are those Muslims, polytheists, who have no polytheism, I mean, monotheists, who have no polytheism, but they have a lot of bad deeds, maybe great sins, like drinking alcohol, stealing, taking riba, zina, and so on. These people are under the will of Allah. He may forgive them in the first place, send them to Jannah, or he may send them to Jahannam, for a certain period, then they will go back to Jannah. Who said so? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, upon his own correct hadith, so many hadith about this one. Including that hadith which is talking about the people who are called Jahannamiyun. Jahannamiyun are people, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in the hadith, that these people will be taken out from Jahannam because they are Muslims. Will be thrown in the river of life in Judgment Day, and they will come like a plant. As you see a plant goes up, within the time, they go up alive, then they go to Jannah. So this is the third group, who are going to Jahannam for a certain period to be cleaned from their bad things, then they will go to Jannah, and they will live and stay and still in there forever. So in the case when he will say enter, we're talking about the polytheists. So these people will go permanently to Jahannam. They will enter Jahannam permanently, not for some certain time and they go to Jannah, no. Who said this? Yeah, somebody would say, okay, this hadith does not say this. The hadith in front of us does not say that they will stay still in there. They will live forever there. They will be thwarted. Yes, this hadith did not say, but there are 
another evidence which is in Quran and Sunnah that they will stay Khalidina Biha. Whoever died with polytheism, he will stay in Jahannam Khalidina Biha. So we gather all of these evidences of Quran and Sunnah and we understand that this hadith really means that they will enter Jahannam permanently. Not for a certain time. Again to say, this chapter is talking about a Muslim must be afraid of shirk. He must fear it. Because no one guarantees that he will die as a Muslim. No one. So no one can guarantee that he will live with Islam until he dies. No one guarantees that. Allah only subhanahu wa ta'ala guarantees that. But what we do in our life, we do our best to stay on Islam. To be far away from shirk, polytheism, from kufr, from anything else, until we die. When we do our best, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most generous. He does not put us down. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. When he knows that his slave is doing his best to be in the track, to be in, the, in Islam, to be a, a, a monotheist, to be following Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most generous. He will take care of him, he will help him out. But those, only those people who doesn't care, those people who do not care if they live Muslims or not, these people are in trouble. He is born as a Muslim, his name is Muhammad, Muhammad Ali and so on. He's a Muslim, he guaranteed Jannah. He thinks that he guaranteed Jannah. Since my father is a Muslim and my mother is a Muslim, my parents are Muslim, all these people are Muslims, I am a Muslim. Say Ta'al, do what Allah told you to do, be a monotheist, Pray five times a day with jama'ah. Too busy. Too busy? Face it. Face the result of what you have. It's your decision. No one will force you. Even Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not forcing us to be good or to be bad. Put this in mind. This very important point in Qadr. Destiny. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not force people to be good or bad. No. He gave us a will. فَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيُؤْمِنْ وَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيَقْفُرْ فَمَنْ شَاءَ إِيش مَعْنَ شَاءَ يعني who will, who wants, who wants to be a mu'min, he cannot be a mu'min. Now who wants to be a kafir, he will be a kafir. Allah gave us the will, gave us the capability. So those people who want to be mu'min, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help them out to be mu'min. Those people who doesn't care, then a'udhu billah, they may lose their deen, maybe in the last minute of their life. Because there are some people are, when it comes to the end of their life, they flip from Islam to something else, to something else. Some of them, they start to say bad things about Allah before they die. Some of them, they cannot say la ilaha illallah when they die. And that's happening a lot. If you ask people, if you ask these people, especially who are really facing such cases on the accidents and so on, you will be amazed to hear a lot of stories of people who are really try to say la ilaha illallah before they die, they cannot. Because they were not the people of la ilaha illallah when they are alive. While they are alive, they are busy with dunya, with bad things. They don't care if Islam is this or not. He doesn't care what, 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 what Allah wants from them. And when it comes to dying, he will say, Allah, he will go to Jannah. That's impossible. Lots of people. I've heard a story by one of our sheikhs in here. He said he, I, I, he, said he was in a case. He was traveling and he saw a car 
flipped out of the truck. So they stopped and went down to see if they can help these two people. They were, they were two young men. In that car, they tried to help them out, but they were dying. They are living the life. And their stereo of their car is singing. So they turned off the stereo and he tried to ask these two guys to say La ilaha illallah before they died. They couldn't say it. They, co they continued singing until they died. Who stopped them? The one who knows that they do deserve it. Not everyone lives in this life saying that he is a Muslim, deserves to be a Muslim, or deserves to die on Islam. People really, when it comes to die, for dying, they are facing shaitan, he's trying to drive people away. Take an example of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahimahullah. He said he was dying. He was going unconscious. His children or his and sons said, Oh Father, say la ilaha illallah. And he says, No, no. So people were amazed. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, one of the, ma the, the, the major imams of this ummah, cannot say la ilaha illallah. He says, eh? Say no. La. And when he woke up, he said, Oh Father, we were saying, you say la ilaha illallah. And he said, No, no. He said, Oh, I was not with you. Shaitan was coming to me. And he said, Ya Ahmad, you have already run away from me. And I say, no, I'm not, I haven't run away from you, I'm, as long as I am alive. You are still behind me. Until I leave this life, with la ilaha illallah, then I will leave you. Otherwise, no. So, be careful. It's the case that a Muslim cannot guarantee. That's what I'm trying to say, that those people who die with polytheism, this hadith is really talking about them. That they will go to Jahannam, to Nar Jahannam, permanently. They will be settled in Jahannam, Nahudullah. Why? <coughs> we have mentioned already, in the previous verse, or the one before, that shirk is very dangerous, actually, as we said in the chapter, before this chapter. And one of the most dangerous points about shirk in here, that the person is really is not respecting Allah, when he puts these creatures in the, in the same level of Allah, or maybe more. Somebody say, how is this? Nobody does this. No Muslim does this. No, there is. There are people who are ready to swear with Allah even if they are lying. But they will not swear with their sheikh or their imam while they are lying. So they are thinking that their imam or their sheikh is higher than Allah and more greater than Allah. So don't be amazed. Don't be amazed when you see someone dying and he cannot say, La ilaha illallah. This could give you, this must give you a strong push to be careful about yourself. No one will help you out when it comes to the dying time. No one will help you out when it comes to the grave. No one will help you out when it comes to judgment day. Everybody in the judgment day is running away from the others. Even the child from his parents. يَوْمَ يَفِرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ وَأُمِّهِ وَأَبِيهِ Five kinds of people he's running away from them. He doesn't want to talk to them, even if they are the closest. His parents, his wife, his children. He's running away from them. He doesn't want to meet them. He's now facing the fact that his sahifa, his deeds are really going to be given to him, whether by the right hand or left hand. Read Quran about this point. Try to gather these ayahs, which is talking about the judgment day, and see how 
how tough people are going to face that day. Only those good people like you, inshallah, will be in ease in that, that day. Haven't you heard the hadith of Muhammad sallallahu about the seven people who are going to be shaded by the shade of the arsh in the judgment day? These are the only ones. Read why. Read why they are going to be shamed, why they are going to be saved. Read about these 70,000 persons, Muslim, who will go to Jannah without even accounting. Directly. Resurrection, go to Jannah. How is that? It's the case that Muhammad Sallallahu have given them the shahada that they deserve it. And he gave the descriptions I mentioned in the hadith before. <coughs> the second hadith we have tonight, narrated by Muslim, that Jabir ibn Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Haram al-Ansari, radiyallahu anhu, said, Jabir ibn Abdullah is a Sahabi. His father also is a Sahabi. So when we mention two, as we'll see inshallah in the hadith of uh, uh, Ibn Abbas later on inshallah, we don't say radiyallahu anhu, but we say radiyallahu anhuma, they are two. The son and the father, both of them are Sahaba. Ibn Abbas, Abdullah Ibn Abbas, he and his father, both of them are Sahaba. So they deserve to say radiyallahu anhuma, two of them. If they are more, we say radiyallahu anhum, there's the son, if there's the, 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 the Sahabi and his father and his grandfather all Sahaba, then we say radiyallahu anhum. If we mention more than one Sahabi, we say radiyallahu anhum. That's in Arabic language. So, Jabir ibn Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Haram al-Ansari radiyallahu anhuma is one of the best Sahaba who has been with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he was a very hard worshipper. And he narrated one of the good hadith we have remembered and mentioned before that he said that I hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward me for my sleeping like he rewarded me for my praying. That hadith is fantastic and strong hadith that we should think of it that he is radiallahu anhu understood from Muhammad that even sleeping is a worship. Even sleeping, a Muslim sleeping is rewarded. Eating rewarded. Depends on these two conditions. Only for Allah, only the way of Rasulullah. Anything we do in our life with these two conditions, we will be inshallah rewarded for. Eating, sleeping, taking the wife to bed, even mentioned by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's the case that we really need to have these two conditions always with us. So Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu. His father is Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Haram al-Ansari was an old man when he accepted Islam with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his both of them are of course from Medina. And Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Haram al-Ansari died he was killed as a shaheed on Uhud battle. After 40 years, a strong flood came to that area of Shuhada Uhud graveyard and moved the soil. They found Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Haram Ansari, the father of Jabir, as he was. As he died 40 years ago, the same body, nothing changed. Subhanallah, al-shuhada, al-shuhada, al-anbiya, al-rusul, earth cannot eat their bodies. 
stay as they are. This hadith, Muhammad sallallahu is telling us that whoever meets Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that in judging the day, of course. Without polytheism, he will go to Jannah. Directly, maybe. After Jahannam, also maybe. But he will go to Jannah. For sure he's going to Jannah. As long as he's having no polytheism. Because after polytheism, then they will check his good deeds and bad deeds. Which one is heavier? But with Baratheism, there's no, nothing that has been changed. No good deeds at all. Every good deed he has done is, is avoided, nullified, fruitless. وَلَقَدْ أُوحِيَ إِلَيْكَ وَإِلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ لَإِنْ أَشْرَكْتَ لَيَحْبَطَنَّ عَمَلِكَ The other ayah, وَلَوْ أَشْرَكُوا لَحَبِطَ عَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ All their good deeds will be fruitless, useless, nullified. Because of politics. So don't be amazed if you see a man who is fantastic worshipper, a lot of prayers, a lot of fasting, a lot of sadaqah, a lot of hajj and, and, and umrah. But he is a perfect. And if he does like this, he will go to Jahannam directly. Why? Because Allah told us. Allah said this in his own book. وَلَوْ أَشْرَكُوا لَحَبِطَ عَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ إِنَّهُ مَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةِ Jannah is forbidden for him. نعوذ بالله. What of his prayers? What about his zakah and sadaqah? Fruitless, useless, nullified, voided. By who? By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How dangerous is shirk? We have to think of it. So he will go to Jannah, the one who dies without polytheism, he will go to Jannah, whether in the first place or after going to Jahannam for a certain time. But he will be settled in Jannah. And whoever meets Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the other, meaning, the other part of the hadith, which is mentioned by Muhammad sallallahu whoever meets Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of course in the judgment day, without polytheism, with polytheism, sorry, with polytheism, he will go to Jahannam. But in here, we don't say he will go to Jannah and go to Jahannam. No, he does to go to Jahannam. Because there are other, other ayahs and other hadith to tell us that the one who dies with polytheism will never see Jannah. Jannah is forbidden for him as we mentioned in the ayah just a few minutes. So it's the case of polytheism or monotheism. Those monotheists will go to Jannah definitely, whether in first place or after passing by Jahannam for some time. Those polytheists will go to Jahannam directly. Na'udhu Billah. As Allah mentioned in His holy book, and as Allah and Muhammad mentioned in His hadith, correct hadith, in this hadith of the other hadith. <coughs> Just a reminder about this book we are talking about. Maybe some of you did not hear this. Rebating sometimes is good. No problem. Just a reminder. Just to remind myself and you, Brothers, that this book is talking only قَالَ اللَّهِ قَالَ رَسُولَهِ That's it. One ayah, two ayahs, three ayahs, one hadith, two, three hadith, that's it. And these hadith, most of them are in Bukhari Muslim, some of them are not in Bukhari Muslim, but they are correct. Or at least they are not so weak. But the majority of it is correct, inshallah. That means the Muslim really have two. 
take his deen from the original resources of Islam. Quran and Sunnah. Here comes the point. Somebody will say, okay, do you mean that we are going to drop all the other books of the ulama? No. No, but ulama is following Muhammad and following Quran. And we are following both Quran and Sunnah with the understanding of the ulama, but unless these ulama make a mistake, and ulama are not ma'asum, they make mistakes. Ahmad ibn Hanbal, al-Shafi'i, al-Imam Malik, Abu Hanifa, rahimahumullah, all of them are human beings. They have done the best. We, we really admire them and love them. And we are proud of them as big imams of this ummah. But we don't say that they do not make mistakes. The only human being that does not make mistakes are the messengers, especially Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ وَحْيٌ يُوحَىٰ What the Prophet Muhammad has said about this deen is وَحْيٌ يُوحَىٰ from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But can anybody say that what Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahimahullah or Shafi or Malik or Abu Hanifa and the others said is wahi? No one says this. No one says this. They have done their best to understand Quran and Sunnah and they have done their best rahimahumullah to give us the deen with a lot of explanation but we still say that we, every Muslim, must start with Quran and Sunnah and understand it through this understanding of these ulama. Because Quran and Sunnah are the originals. And we have to follow them. This, is, this book actually brought us these, every chapter with ayat and hadith, same way that done by Al-Bukhari, rahimahullah. If you go and see Sahih Al-Bukhari, you will see that he's bringing ayah, ayah, hadith, hadith, two, three hadith, and every chapter he's making. If he's talking about At-Tahara, as an example, Bab al-Wudu, chapter for wudu, you will see that he's bringing some ayat and some hadith. He's not putting his يعني, words into the case, only Quran and Sunnah. This book is doing this almost the same, but he's, he's specializing in the case of Tawheed, especially the Tawheed of worship side of Tawheed, which is Al-Uluhiyyah side of Tawheed. Somebody will ask why? Why to concentrate on the side of worshipping of Tawheed, not the Lordship side of Tawheed, not the names and qualities as Mawasifat side of Tawheed. This book was really authored in a time where people were really having a lot of trouble in the side of Uluhiyyah or worship side of Tawheed. This was authored when the people here in Saudi Arabia or the Arabian Peninsula used to go to the graves and ask, ask them instead of Allah and sacrifice for them, and shave their heads and make tawaf on the graves. That was 250 years ago almost. So this book was made for them. To clarify that what they are doing really is totally against the words of Allah and the words of Muhammad And because people are not so eager to hear the words of the others, but they are eager to hear the words of Allah in the words of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he made this book for them, and he said, this is the evidences, I'm not going to talk about them at all, you read them, you understand them, you follow them. And as you see here, does anybody, finally anyone who says that this hadith which is mentioned in Bukhari or Muslim, he doesn't like it. If he says so, and he intend, and he mean it, I'm afraid to say that he's a kafir. No one can reject Quran and Sunnah. We may reject the, the, the words of others. Yani, 
for someone of you say I do not accept the words of Ibn Baz rahimahullah in such and such case I'll say okay fine it's up to you that's your understanding fine but always reject the words of the human beings with the words of Allah and the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa if Sheikh bin Baz or Sheikh bin Atameen or such other Sheikh will say something and you think it is wrong because you have another stronger evidence of Quran and Sunnah I will say you are right because we do not worship Bin Baz or Bin Atameen or anybody else we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has sent us Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and both what they have said Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam both of them they have said wahd whispering from Allah but what Sheikh Ibn Baz or Ibn Atameen or any other Sheikh said, even Ibn Hanbal or Abu Hanifa and the others, whatever they said, they said their own understanding of Quran and Sunnah. And their understanding of Quran and Sunnah could be mistaken. We respect them, yes. We admire them, yes. We love them, yes. But we do not follow their exact words. Because we are required upon the shaharat of Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam exactly. Not else. These are the two hadiths we have to talk about tonight, inshallah. By that we conclude the talking about this chapter number four, inshallah. Next week we'll talk about the fifth chapter, inshallah, which is talking about charity, la ilaha illallah. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, I'll be happy to hear. Sorry? Uh-huh. No, of course, repentance, if you remember, we, when we talked about repentance in here a long time ago, we said that repentance have conditions. The first condition is that it should be done before it is too late. And too late, T-O-O. Late means khalas. No one can. When are these too late times, Muhammad Hassan told us about this, when the sun comes from the west, or when the soul is already here, out, then it is too late to make it. But as long as the person is still alive, and the sun is not yet from coming from the west instead of the east, then repentance is accepted. Uh, Sheikh, yes. by the way, very good. Yesterday we have some uh, Now, if Saddam Hussein died on Islam, Allah will take care of him. If he was lying, or a hypocrite, or trying to pretend, Allah will take care of him. So why should we really lose our time to talk about Saddam Hussein, or Bush, or Carter? Sorry, let me clear. Okay? If that's the case, that we are going to judge these people. It's not our business. Our business is to judge ourselves. We need now to talk about ourselves more than we talk about the others. Now, if I have free time, I will not go and sit down with my friends to talk about this guy and this other guy, is he a kafir? Otherwise we sit down and say, open a book, yalla. Name the name. My neighbor such and such, he's a kafir. That guy, because he's doing this, he's... No, yeah, it is not our business. No, he was going to be hanged, he's used. So, 
I cannot lose anything because I don't care much about it. Allah will take care of him. I'm not going to judge him. I'm not going to give him Jannah or give him none. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take care of him. Let me take care of myself and my, my close brothers. Ya ayu aladhi naamu quu anfusakum wa ahdikum nara. So we have to take care of ourselves. Why we care about Saddam Hussein? Okay. It's not a big case. It's not going to make any change to us. Allah will not ask us if we say he is in Jannah or he is in Jannah. Allah will not ask us in the, in the judgment day, will not ask us if Saddam Hussein said it or not. Is he true or not? Is he lying? He will not ask us. But he will ask us what has we done. Have we studied our deen and tried to practice in our life and call people to it? Have we done our best to do this? That's the case. But if this guy or other guy is this king or this president or is he a cavalry, we are not going to ask. Is this guy Abbas? In, in Palestine, is he a Muslim or a Kafir? Is this Zardari or King Abdullah? It is not our business. Yeah. Why are we too busy with these things? We should really get busy with ourselves. We need to talk about ourselves more than we talk about the others. Yeah, and if you see the way that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam lived his life, especially in Mecca, he was so weak, people are really giving him hard time, calling him by names. They are hurting him with rocks, with dirt things they put it in, their, in his way. He did not talk about these people. He doesn't go and say this guy is bad, this guy. He just continues وسلم, to do what Allah told him to do. Ya ayyuhal muzzammil, kum layla illa qalila, nusfah wa unqusman wa qalila, awzid alayhi wa rattil al-Qur'ana tartila. Why? Why? Inna tanuqi alayka qawlan thaqila. This deen is heavy, it's not easy. Not anyone can carry it. So if we want to carry this deen, we should carry it the correct way, and we should work for it the correct way. Work for it in ourselves and our children, as Allah told us in this ayah, Then we go and convey it to the others. My neighbors, my people, when I say wrong thing, I tell people this is munkar, don't do it when I say good thing. But I don't go really judging the people because this is not my business. Yes, Sheikh Hazar. Yes. They are so dedicated their life participants. So how do you think that these at this level, at this lower level, can judge whether they have said something right or we can just attack them, attack our own way, how we can do it. Okay. Myself and you and the other brothers are really humble when we compare ourselves to these Imams. Okay? These are great Imams. Okay? The case is this. It's not me and you and the others. Those people who have studied the hadith of Muhammad and the Quran. Now when they come, they say this, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal said that such and such is haram. And he gave an evidence, one or two of the evidence. Okay? Now, just imagine that what Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, the hadith he used is not so strong. But he could not find a better hadith or stronger hadith. Later on, Imam Bukhari or, or Muslim or Tirmidhi or Nasai or Ibn Majah or the other Imams who have gathered Sunnah, they found a stronger hadith that Imam Ahmad depended on. 
Now, what are you going to go for the stronger hadith or to the words of Imam Ahmad? Which one? We're not saying that they did not, but we know, as they said by themselves, that they did not gather, gather all the hadith. Did the Imam Ahmad or Abu Hanifa or Shafi or Malik gather all the hadith of Muhammad? Did they? No. In fact, Sheikh bin Baz, for example, I told you this example so many years. He, is, he said that Hanbalis, and here in Saudi Arabia and other places, even I think Hanabis, they put their hands in Salah on their belly button or underneath the belly button, right? Say, Sheikh Muhammad says, no. The hadith which is talking that Muhammad did he put his hand on his chest is a lot stronger than the hadith that used by Hanbalis. So he lifted that hadith of Hanbalis and he took the hadith which is putting the hands on the chest. It's not the case that he said Imam Ahmad is bad. Astaghfirullah. No. But he said this hadith was not really, did not reach Imam Ahmad. How many, yani, upon the words of the people of, who followed Imam Ahmad, the children or the students of Imam Ahmad, they said he memorized one million hadith. Memorized one million hadith. Not only the hadith, but also the chain of the hadith. But when you count the hadith of Muhammad, it's more than one million. So not if the hadith Imam Ahmad knew. Although he's the last Imam now. Don't talk about Shafi'i or Malik or even Abu Hanifa. By the way, Abu Hanifa, you know, he's the best and he's the, first, he's the first one, right? He was born in the year of 80 Hijriyyah and he died in the year of 150 Hijriyyah. Okay, now, he was in Iraq. In that time, hadith was not gathered by Bukhari or Muslim or Andrea. Yani Bukhari came, he gathered the hadith in his Sahih, after the death of Abu Hanifa, 100 years. See, 100 years now. Now in that time when Abu Hanifa was living in Iraq, not every hadith was in Iraq. In fact, in Iraq there was a lot of lying. As Ibn Umar said, he said, oh, you Iraq people, hadith goes from us, this link, and come back from you, this link. They add, and they make a lot of lies to hadith. When you read the history, you find that in the time of Abbasi, the first few Khalifa of Abbasi, like Al-Hadi, there was a lot of people who are lying to say this is hadith to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When they said, why you lie to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? He said, whoever lied to me in intention, he should take his place in Jahannam. They made a trick. They said, no, no, we don't lie only Muhammad. We lie for Muhammad. So these people, there were a lot of liars in Iraq at that time. So Abu Hanifa was so strict, not to accept any hadith. So with the hadith he gathered, rahimahullah, was not much. Now, so he depends sometimes on yani, qiyas. He has this case, and this case is almost the same, so he made qiyas to this one. But suppose he made qiyas in here, and this is the same as this, or close to this. So he gave the same judgment now. But later on, they found the hadith for this one only. Hadith of Muhammad Will we take the qiyas of Abu Hanifa rahimahullah or will we take the hadith of Muhammad That's the case. Who said so not me and you? This is the, the, the scholars who are, came after these Imams. Allah subhanahu wa subhanallah. Uh, Imam Ahmad rahimahullah died in, in the year of two, 261 I think. Or two, 241. 241 Hijriya. Now from that time almost 1000 years. No, all these Imams came after that or the ulama who came after that did not study the hadith of Muhammad And that's Al-Bukhari himself. So you'll find they are depending on some weak hadith sometimes, or hadith which is not the same, or they make qiyas. Then later on we found the hadith which is talking about the same case. Even Sahaba. Yani, just take an example. Ibn Abbas, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah. Son of Abbas, the uncle of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He died while he's thinking that 
the marriage of Mut'ah is allowed. Sahabi now, one of the major ulama of Sahaba. He died without hearing the last hadith of Muhammad about Mut'ah is haram. Because Mut'ah was allowed in the beginning, as usual, and it is, then it was haram. Then it was allowed for some time in Mecca, when they got Mecca, then it was haram. So four cases now. Halal, haram, halal, haram. Last one was haram. Ibn Abbas did not hear this hadith. So he thought still halal. And he died thinking that it's halal. But Sahaba, all of them, or most of the Sahaba knew that there is a hadith to say it's haram, which is not known by Ibn Abbas, so they said it's haram. Now, this, that means that we are يعني, disrespecting Ibn Abbas? No, of course not. But we say that not every hadith will reach the Sahaba or the Tabi'in or the Ulama or the, the, the major Imams. So, Abu Hanifa or Shafi'i or Malik or Ahmad ibn Hanbal, they did not gather all the hadith of Muhammad So they are some good and correct hadith which is not known by these great Imams. So we are depending on the hadith, not on the, what they have said. Even themselves, by the way, they say, whenever you find the hadith, take it and throw my words away. Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal, Shafi'i, Malik, Abu Hanifa, each one of them said, when you receive the hadith of Muhammad sallam, throw my, my words to the wall. Imam Ahmed rahimahullah used to say, don't write what I say, write the hadith of Muhammad sallam. And he say, take from what we have said, taken from. Don't take our words, take where, where from, we take from, Quran and Sunnah. They did, he does not allow people to write what he says. He ordered, ordered the people to write the Quran and Sunnah, evidently. Because there are, sometimes there are shortage on understanding, whether these Imams or the other. And there are some people who came out of these Imams, they made worse mistakes than the, the, the Imams have done. But still we say Quran and Sunnah is the original. Your question is fantastic. It's not up to me or you or the other to say this is wrong. Yes, go ahead. Not we. No, not, not we. we. Not we. We follow our major, our, our imams now who said Abu Hanifa was fantastic in this and he missed this hadith. We still Hanafi, we still Shafi, we still Hanbal. We're not saying throw all these school thoughts away. Myself, I'm a Hanbal. I follow Imam Muhammad Hanbal in his يعني, uh, madhab. But does that mean that I put Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal before Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? No. If there is something that Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal made a mistake in, I will take what Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said. But not me. And that's what I'm trying to say now. It's not me and you who, say, who decide. It is the major scholars. Yani, as an example, if you are in India and you see you have one of your scholars, and I remember that in, in India there are fantastic, mashallah, ulama on the case of hadith. And they say, you know, this case... Yani mentioned by such and such imam is incorrect because the other hadith is stronger than that then you depend on the imam unless you and I reach the point that we are capable of ijtihad ijtihad is not for me actually probably maybe for some of you maybe who know better than me but ijtihad is the higher point where imam or the other scholars can reach there are conditions for ijtihad ijtihad means that I will go out of the madhab but before that I cannot go Bigger people like me and you, we cannot go away from the matter. Unless we find another imam who tells us who have jihad, because at this point is incorrect because there is hadith. But not me and you. Yes, you are, you are totally right in this case because not everyone will come and say, Oh, Imam Ahmad is wrong in this case. No, who are you? What other is that you even done? 
Just because you have read one small book, booklet, or and you say this is wrong? No. But read what Imam said. You can say yes. Ahmad ibn Hanbal made a mistake in this case as Sheikh bin Baz said. Ah. Then you are not the one that Sheikh, Sheikh bin Baz said. When somebody says that Imam Abu Hanifa did not, yani, took the, the, the lesser, stronger hadith in this case, then we'll ask him, who told you this? He says, I did it. So now we have to be careful. He says, such and such Imam said it. Okay, fine. So he's depending on another Imam. Because another Imam said that Imam Abu Hanifa or Shafi or Mark or Muhammad did not get this correct. So we are following another Imam. But we are not ourselves to come now because you are right. Some, I have seen some young people here, Saudi Arabia, some of them say, oh, throw away this Hanafi madhab, Shafi madhab, Marki madhab, Muhammad madhab, throw it away. It's all incorrect. We are depending on Quran and Sunnah. Who are you? Did you have the conditions to uh, be incapable of understanding Quran and Sunnah? He doesn't have. So he doesn't have the right to say this and he doesn't have the capability of ishtihad. Khaliwazi. We take the origin. Jazakallah khair. Yes, sir. Okay, following the madhab actually is needed. <coughs> because these madhabs are school of thought. It's already built with a lot of efforts of the ulama. You cannot bring a person who is just newly Muslim and say, okay, go and Quran Sunnah, read them, understand them, and follow them. You can't. Yani even Arabs now cannot understand Quran. How about even Arabs? Yes, at the time of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi a Bedouin who have no, no knowledge except camels and sheep, he comes directly and hears Quran, he understands directly. Because he's a pure Arabian. Now we Arabs are not pure Arabians. We have this broken language, broken Arabic, but Arabic. You find Egyptian, you find uh, the Sini, you find from Riyadh, you find from Hijaz, you find... Wallah, I talk to some Moroccan guys, I cannot understand what they say. And they cannot understand what they say. Because each one of us has his own language, not Arabic language. So if someone is capable, and if this person is, he accepted Islam and he's capable of understanding Quran and Sunnah, he can go and read them. But I'm sure 100% that he needs to go, first of all, through these school of thoughts, and to be careful not to put this Imam as Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. No. There's a mistake with it. But yes, our ulama in here, I have discussed with them in this case so many times, they told me, yes, every person must be through a madhab, especially in case of fiqh. Then later on, when he reaches the point of ijtihad, then he can change. Change things. Yes. This, in the madhab, this is incorrect because there's a hadith with his, uh, in the level of ijtihad. Not anyone. Not anyone. Otherwise, we'll be in trouble because we want to come and say, this I means this. Who said this? You know, <coughs> Shia has an example. They say, Inna Allah ya'murkum an tadbahu baqara. There's an ayah. You say, the meaning of this is that, Inna Allah ya'murkum an tadbahu aisha. Astaghfirullah. Does this ayah mean this? Who already will say that, Inna Allah ya'murkum an tadbahu baqara, baqara here means aisha. Astaghfirullah. Shia, they say this. Are we going to accept this? Of course not. But they say, yes, we have a madhab. Even though. If it's against Islam, we are not accepting it. If it's against the Arabic language, I mean, somebody wants to, to give a meaning of ayah or a meaning of hadith, he must be capable of understanding the, the Arabic language correctly. Not only Arabs, but everyone who knows the Arabic correctly. He must also study what the ulama have said about this ayah. The Mufassirin, Ibn Jarir, Ibn Kathir, and so on. Then he can say, talk about it. Not just from his own mind, he sit down and... That's why you find some of these later, later uh, uh, tafsir, 
يقول يا ميت يا ميت رارف سترينج تفسيره as we have heard of this تفسير of one عالم I don't want to say names because names sometimes make trouble he says about سورة الفيل ألم ترى كيف فعل ربك ربك بأصحاب الفيل ألم يجعل كيدهم في تضليل وأرسل عليهم طيرا أبابيل ترميهم بحجارة من سجين He said, no, it's not throwing rocks into the army of Abraha. No, he, uh, these uh, birds were throwing germs or viruses. Subhanallah. Allah says hijara. He says, no, 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 it's not hijara. Why, Habibi? Because he says, this is superstition. Whenever seen birds are carrying rocks and throwing... Who are you to say such a thing? If the first ulam, if Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sahaba also, they understood the vision. You come and change the understanding because you want, because he's, um, he's, he's uh, يعني, emphasized or impressed by the Western civilization which is rejecting anything except if the mind can accept it. Ah, this is a problem here. When we are influenced by the Western way of thinking, when we are lost, we should not come to Quran and Sunnah by the other way, by the Quran and Sunnah way. Hear the ayah, gather the ayah that's talking about the same case, understand it. Don't bring it from the others. You'll find a lot of people doing the same thing now. They are trying to find يعني, miracles through numbers. Or miracles through these theories which is mentioned now. Some people in the time of Darwin, you know Darwin, he said that human being uh, يعني, started or was only uh, a germ, then he became a monkey. And, okay? Some people try to find this in Quran. Because this is the theory from the Western يعني, scientists. So we have to find, we have to twist Quran to follow the Seishad. Quran cannot be twisted. Quran is this way, the others are trying to follow it. We, Quran does not follow human beings. So we have to follow it as it is. To understand it and follow it. Uh, sure. Yes, sir. Now you told before, Arba, we, we saw Muslim, we say Muslim. Yes, no problem. Okay. One about, what about the uh, Salafi? Okay. They actually, they say, what I've heard, we don't, accept, according to them, we are not Muqallab. Okay. So they are Mujtahid. Because Muqallab, uh, the opposite is Mujtahid, yes. Muqallab they said, we are not Muqallad. Yani, we don't follow any of, of, of this Arab. Taqlid and Ijtihad. These are two vice versa words. Taqlid means a person is only following a person, imitating him. Ijtihad means a person who has enough capability of finding the meaning of Quran and Sunnah and practices in life. Nowadays, we have this microphone. It was not in the time of Muhammad or Sahaba or Abu Hanifa or Shafi'i or Malik ibn Ahmed Muhammad or Ahmed Muhammad. Was there any Mukhrum at that time? No. Someone is a alim and he is a mujtahid. He can do ijtihad. He will come to this and say, is this allowed? Is this a bid'ah? It is a bid'ah, but it's a habitual bid'ah. It's a habitual bid'ah. A life bid'ah. It's allowed in Islam. Because this is going to be a help for proclaiming or conveying the deen of Islam or the recitation of Quran. So it's allowed. 
Now, who said so? Not Muqallid, this is Mujtahid. But for me and you and the others who are not really so much in, in, in knowledge of Islam, we are supposed to be Muqallid. Until we reach the point that we have the conditions to be a Mujtahid for Jihad, then we can say, yes, we will not accept this uh, side of the madhab or we will not accept the madhab. But they have no way to do this. No. This is jumping to conclusions. And it's not allowed for a Muslim to jump to conclusions. And remember Al-Khawarij. Al-Khawarij actually were so much worshippers, fantastic worshippers. But when I was mentioned by Muhammad that they are not Muslims. They leave deen like, like the, the, the arrow gets into the, 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 the body of the, if the animal goes out. Without anything, even without blood sometimes. يَخْرُجُونَ مِنَ الدِّينَ كَمَا يَخْرُجُ السَّهْمُ مِنَ الرَّمِيَّةِ Because, what, what's the problem with them? They did not accept the understanding of Sahaba. Even Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One of them, or the head of them came to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, while he was dividing the ghanayim he got from the kafirin. He said, Ya Muhammad, be just. You are not just. Astaghfirullah. So Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not get angry. He said, if I am not just, who will be just? And when this man left, he said, Muhammad said to Sahaba, that this person will be a leader of people who you think their salah and reciting Quran is the best, but they are out of Islam. So these muqal, these people who reject the qaleed, they are in trouble. Because they give the ordinary people the capability of ijtihad while they don't have the conditions of ijtihad. We are not closing the door of ijtihad, this is wrong. Ijtihad door cannot be closed and must not be closed. But that's not for everybody. So in the middle, people who say jihad is closed, خلاص. nobody can make jihad. Somebody says no, jihad is open totally. No madhab, no matlak as you say. Both of them are wrong. The correct way is to say jihad is open but only for the people who can do it. Can you allow a doctor to open a clinic while he's not a doctor? He has money, he can rent a flat and make a big sign, Dr. Abdullah Al-Musa. But well, he doesn't know anything about medicine. Can I do it? But I'm sorry, you can do it. No, you cannot do it, Habibi. You can do it. Even if you are having bishop and, and uh, big beard, you cannot make it be a doctor. Doctor, there is yani, a certificate for you to be, to be uh, qualification to be a doctor. So these people, they want to be doctors while they are not, they're not fully doctors. They want to make ishtihad while they are not capable of doing ishtihad. No, no, no. These madhab, these madhab are imams or even sheikhs are not going to give you something else. They are giving us the correct understanding of the ayah and the hadith because we are not capable of understanding. For example, now uh, I am going to learn something for Islam. So I can easily go to any shop of Islamic books and I can get Quran, meaning translation, or Tafsir, Tafsir, and some Hadith, like Bukhari, Muslim, 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 Muslam, whatever. Do I need to go follow all these four, five, yes. six, seven imams and their Yes, you need, because you are not to the level of Ijtihad yet. When you reach the Ijtihad level, you don't have to go to this Madhab. But because we, majority of Muslims, they don't have the capability of making Ijtihad, we have to follow Madhab. But when I'm following the Hanbali Madhab, and someone comes to me and says, in this case, 
حنبلي مذهب is incorrect. Why? Because there is an ayah or hadith that really says this is incorrect. Please give me this hadith. I'll check the hadith is correct or not. I'll check the meaning of the hadith and the meaning of the ayah. Are you talking about the same case? If yes, then I will leave this, this part or this case of my madhab at least. I'll follow this hadith. So I'm not following Ahmed Muhammad as my ideal person. No, my ideal is Muhammad. But this Imam is only explaining to me. These sheikhs are explaining deen for me because I'm not capable of making jihad understanding the Quran and Sunnah. Otherwise, everybody go and buy Quran and Sunnah. I'm not talking about these people need translation. I'm talking about the Arabs who are capable of reading. By the way, even those people who are graduated from Imam University, like from Sharia College or from from Din College, which I have great, they are not considered sheikh. They still need to study. They still need to go with the sheikh, understand? Because it's not only to read books and have some points and some eyes and the other go, you are sheikh, make ishtihad. No. Ishtihad is not easy. For example, in the case of Surah how many hadith in, in the case of reciting uh, Salat in the Salah? How many? Yeah, just give me, give, give me a number. Say five. Say five. As an example. Suppose there are five hadith to talk about reciting Al-Fatiha in Salah. Okay? What if I bring you an Imam who found another hadith, number six hadith also, in the same case of Al-Fatiha, which is saying that it is not a must. What do you say? No, you'll find another hadith even in Muslim or even Muslim Ahmed or Dharmi or Nasai. You'll find a correct hadith. When you, what we are required, by the way, and this is the case of Jihad here. Hold on. It's authentic, authentic hadith. No. Ah, be careful. This is a bad word. No way to say that hadith will contradict with each other. No. I'm saying the hadith. The number six hadith now, okay, as you understand, to our understanding, it is contradicting with the other hadith. No. It is the case that this hadith, number six, is also the same thing, but it gives it a different way. Like saying that Muhammad told us, I'll give you a better hadith in this case. And it's okay. In the case of يعني, um, drinking while standing, we have a clear hadith to say it is haram and it's not allowed, right? But we have another hadith which says that Muhammad drank while he's standing. Now, is this contradicting? No. The first hadith is general that it is not allowed for us to drink while standing. We should sit down. The second, the last hadith we found now, which is Muhammad Hassan drunk while he's standing, we will understand it among these hadith, we gather it all together and say, okay, it is not, it's not allowed to drink while standing except in certain cases. Or it is okay to drink because this is later than the other hadith, so this is making it less strong or instead of haram to become makruh. The case, another case, another example just to explain it again. Muhammad Hassan told us clearly that we are not allowed to peak 
or make urine while standing, right? But he didn't. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, once Sahaba saw him speaking or doing urine while he is standing. Is this contradicting? Astaghfirullah. You can't say this. No way to, that hadith could contradict our Quran, will contradict our Quran and Sunnah will contradict. No way. They are all the same way. But the last hadith, when we study it, we find that why he did this, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, for two reasons. He did this in the place of a garbage gathering, so he did not want to sit down in that area. Second thing, that he had a problem in his uh, back of his uh, knee. He cannot sit down. So we understand that when we having a problem, we cannot sit down for any reason. We can't do it while standing. Just imagine you are going in an airport, some Western airport, and you cannot find a place to sit down. There's only one place, or one type of place for urine. You say, I want urine, or keep it with me. <laughs> then you have to. But so you do this because you have to, because there's no other place for it. Yes, what's their evidence? I don't know. No, they, they have evidence. See, they, they don't say this without evidence. Yani you cannot find the book of, of uh, uh, Hanafi Mazhab, Fiqh, or Muhammadi, or without evidence. But when you see, read the, the evidences, you will find that maybe they misunderstand this hadith, or maybe they found another hadith which is allowing us not to recite. Can, as an example, if you come to Salah, and Imam is already in Ruku'. And you say, Allahu Akbar, take the Ihram, then why you stand? Then Allahu Akbar, or Rukur. Rakah count or not? You did not recite the Fatiha. But this is count for you. It is count for you, so it is Rakah. And this Rakah is just recite Quran. Ah, so in this case, in this case, we have to be careful not to give our opinions. Because, because we, we recite, we knew, we knew one or two hadith. We don't, we have to read all. And also we read what this, these other Imams say. What these Imams say, why they say it is allowed not to recite Al-Fatiha in Salah. While we have strong hadith saying, no, last Salah al-Imam al-Maqab al-Fatiha in the Kitab. We will study what they have said. That's when, when we reach the level of Ijtihad, not now. Now we are trying to be in Ijtihad in some cases, and we are so ignorant in the other cases. Be careful. This is a shaitani way, A'udhu Billah min shaitan He tries to drag some good people to do, to concentrate on something while they are really Ignorant on the other side. Take things in all together. Understand Quran and Sunnah, Tawheed, Fiqh, Hadith. This, all study them all. Go piece by piece until you reach an area. You are capable of studying Quran and Sunnah by your own, and you give your understanding of it. Since you have studied all of these. Hmm? Yeah. When you are when you are capable of jihad, you don't have to go. Yes. Any question about it? Yes. Oh, hold on, there. Huh?
somebody told me after we visited that it is where uh, Allah said, 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 Allah but the case is that, which is known like Qudan Salah, there's a clear height of it. That when you pass by, you cannot stay there or drink water off it, you have to run quickly. So we are not allowed. Now, people in Europe and other places, they are using these places as a tourism. Jazakumullah khair for listening, inshallah, next week.